Hello and welcome to Pandemic Podcast, a podcast from Tech and Herald in which we focus on COVID-19 and the news around it. I am your host Sandeep Menon. Today is the 28th day of the lockdown in the country. In today's episode, we bring you some insights on how the lockdown imposed to control COVID-19 is treating women, many of whom have to bear the worst, and we also talk to a doctor on what precautions pregnant women should take to protect themselves from the virus. At the time of recording this at 7 a.m. on April 21 Tuesday, according to the data maintained by Tech and Herald, the total number of cases in India is 18,514 with 1,250 new cases detected yesterday. The country had recorded an all-time high of 1,579 new cases on Sunday. At least 595 people have lost their lives due to COVID-19. Among the states, Maharashtra continued to top the chart with 466 new cases yesterday with 4,666 total infections. What comes out as a shocker is that 53 journalists have tested positive for COVID-19 in Mumbai. Our correspondent from Mumbai, Mrityunjay Bose, has more to say on the development. Good morning. This is Mrityunjay Bose, the Kenharal correspondent in Mumbai. Let me take you to one of the most important developments that have taken place in Mumbai. 53 media persons which included reporters, photojournalist, video journalist, camera persons have tested positive for covid-19 in fact the bmc or the brian mumbai municipal corporation that is the civic body of mumbai had conducted a camp for mumbai journalist in which 167 journalists attended the reports were available throughout monday and when last reports came in at least 53 of the journalists or media persons have tested positive for coronavirus these journalists have immediately been asked to be home quarantine and now they are being shifted to the covid care centers which the bmc has made of the 67 167 samples collected by for the testing 53 have tested positive and this was also confirmed by the health committee chairman amay gole dr daksha shah who is the deputy executive health officer said that most of these media personnel were asymptomatic and were in the low risk category however they are not taking any chances and they will be shifted to the covid care centers now the issue here is this how they have come in contact now media persons have been covering the covid crisis in mumbai in a big way and they have been moving around in the city they have been near the containment zone they have been near the uh, hospitals and this could be one of the reasons now parallelly another development has happened is that the day the camp was held in mumbai mayor kishori pednekar also went there and now she has taken her to self quarantine though she has tested negative as a precautionary uh, measure different uh, media organizations have requested the maharashtra government and the chief minister mr uddhav thakre that since media is being treated as an essential service they should also ensure that there should be a kind of an insurance cover in this kind of a crisis for media persons as well thank you The situation in Mumbai was mirrored in Chennai on Sunday 
ETB Shivapriyan tells us what's happening there. Hello everyone, this is ETB Shivapriyan, Deccan Herald's Tamil Nadu correspondent from Chennai. Three journalists, including a field reporter who is working with the leading Tamil daily, tested positive for coronavirus on Sunday. This takes the number of journalists who have tested positive for COVID-19 in Tamil Nadu to four. Already a journalist who is working in Delhi but originally belonging to Tamil Nadu has tested positive after returning from Delhi. He tested positive in the first week of April and is currently recuperating at the government medical college hospital in Tanjavur. This takes the number to four and of the three journalists who tested positive on Sunday, one is a field reporter who had attended a press conference addressed by Health Secretary Dr. Bila Rajesh on April 14th, Tamil New Year's Day. A lot of reporters who attended the press conference are said to have come in contact with the said reporter because he was present there. And the government did not take any chances. Beginning Sunday, the government has so far tested more than 265 field journalists in Chennai. That 265 number includes photojournalists, video journalists and cab drivers too. The results of all the 265 swab samples are expected anytime after Tuesday evening and the government and the journalist community is keeping their fingers crossed because journalists still go out, especially the television medium journalists still go out to report from the field. And this has also led to a lot of concern among the journalist community about their health. And Sunday's incident of three journalists testing positive has also led to demands that the government should go digital with its press conferences and should not be holding physical press conferences anymore. This is a demand that has been put forth by journalists, including those from the television medium. And the government is now considering whether to hold digital press conferences. That is what we have been told. And an idea, a proposal has also been mooted by journalists that the government can take questions in advance from journalists and those questions can be answered and sent as a video recording to all journalists via WhatsApp or any other medium. This has been proposed to the government and we are waiting for the government to respond. So fingers crossed in Chennai, the swap sample results of 265 journalists are to come by Tuesday evening or Tuesday night and we all hope that none of them test positive for COVID-19 and the government is also expected to take a call on whether to go digital as far as press conferences are concerned. Thank you. That's the story of those who went to cover the story ending up becoming the story themselves. All journalists listening to this podcast, please stay safe while you do your job. Meanwhile, There seems to be confrontations brewing between the Union Ministry of Home Affairs that is tasked with imposing the lockdown across the country and some states. The MHA wrapped Kerala over lockdown relaxation on Sunday that saw scores of vehicles flood onto the streets even in Covid hotspots like Tiruvannandapuram. The Kerala government made a course correction by revoking many of the relaxations announced. The Home Ministry meanwhile sent an inter-ministerial team to West Bengal, Maharashtra, Rajasthan and Madhya Pradesh to assess the lockdown violation. The move has prompted West Bengal's Chief Minister Mamta Banerjee to tweet and write to the centre questioning this move. West Bengal also seemed to be in a soup over testing kits. The Health Ministry of West Bengal yesterday complained that the test kits supplied by the ICMR's nodal agency in West Bengal, NICED, was defective and resulted in a large number of inconclusive tests. 
and the test had to be repeated, thereby slowing down West Bengal's fight against COVID-19. However, the ICMR has said that the RT-PCR kits used by the West Bengal government were not stored below 20 degrees Celsius, and that was the reason for incorrect results. With Karnataka showing an increased case doubling rate of 9.2 days when compared to other states in the south, the state government announced that there will be no relaxation in the lockdown norms. Meanwhile, the ICMR has chosen three districts, Kalburgi, Bengaluru and Chitradurga in Karnataka, for its study on community transmission, a situation in which the source of the virus cannot be traced. Does the lockdown slapped in order to fight the novel coronavirus have a gender bias in its approach? Many observers say yes it does. A large number of women are bearing the brunt of the lockdown in different ways. Let's listen to Tara Krishnaswamy, co-founder of Shakti, a platform seeking political power for women. Talk to my colleague Varsha on this topic. Hi, this is Varsha and with me today is Tara Krishnaswamy. She is the co-founder of Shakti, a group that provides political power to women and citizens for Bengaluru. Welcome, Tara. Hi, Varsha. Glad to be here this morning. Do you think the lockdown for women is a radically different experience than for men? If yes, in what way is this uh, experience different? Um, see, the lockdown, um, while uh, on the one hand it uh, helps buy time for the virus, um, it is a, a form of uh, a suppression because our regular activities are suppressed on purpose. Mm. Um, any form of suppression actually disproportionately affects uh, the most vulnerable in society, and that is always the case. For instance, if there is a bund, which is a form of suppression, uh, you have transports and shops shut, then the people that are most affected are the ones that are dependent on public transport, uh, like the poor. Similarly, uh, when you have a lockdown like this, uh, because women's position in society is radically different than men's position in society, for instance, economically, they are far less well off, uh, they are paid far less, they own uh, much less assets, they are much more homebound, they carry the bulk of the work um, at home. And now, with the lockdown, all of this is amplified because, uh, you know, you have, uh, you're all stuck at home. So you have much more of homebound activities with everyone stuck at home. Plus women and children are disproportionately the targets of domestic violence and sexual violence. So all of this gets um, exacerbated uh, due to the lockdown. And therefore, it is radically different for women than it is for men, for the large part. Okay. Is this experience the same for all sections of women or is there a class and caste difference? Um, it is certainly much more oppressive of women than it is of men, but even there, there is a class and caste different. There are, of course, the, um, uh, you know, the minority of the households that are privileged enough to be able to ride the lockdown with minimum amount of uh, hardship. Right, while emotional um, hardship is there in terms of being stuck at home, there is very little other hardship to show for it. So let's set those minority of homes aside. If you look at the class and caste differences and you take the poorest section of the society, the absolute bottom of the pyramid, so to speak, in India, those are the ones without a home above their roof. Oftentimes they are migrants. They're almost always daily wages. Now, mm -hmm. these people uh, and the women, all of them are affected, of course, with lack of food, lack of 
um, you know, predictable access to food, really, right? And while the government and mostly NGOs are doing a tremendous job trying to distribute the food, the actual availability of it becomes a burden on the women. For instance, nobody is distributing milk. Nobody is distributing uh, you know, vegetables or fruits. So these become very, very difficult to access and they become the women's problems. You see scores of women standing in line trying to get rations as they always did before the lockdown as well. But mm. during the lockdown, it becomes much more difficult access to clean water, access to um, uh, food. And therefore, they are the ones that are disproportionately standing in the line, uh, you know, scorching sun for uh, miles on end trying to get access to food. Much more so than the men because they're responsible to feed the children as well. But that is just the food aspect of it. Look at things like access to sanitation. Uh, while women are going through their menstrual cycle, not only do they need access to proper clean bathrooms and water, which you rarely get at the bottom of the pyramid, especially during a lockdown, because many of these services have been disrupted. Cleaning services do not happen. Uh, water doesn't come on time. It is not delivered. You can't buy it as easily. And then you don't have access to things like sanitary napkins. In the meanwhile, you also continue to have, uh, you know, a sexual activity taking place. And again, the onus of reproductive health is on women, which means access to um, all kinds of family planning is, again, restricted during the lockdown. And that, again, has a disproportionate effect on women because they are the ones that are going to end up with unwanted pregnancies, right, and unsafe abortions. So uh, from the bottom most part of the pyramid, there is a multiple whammy on them from food uh, to health uh, to reproductive health and, of course, access to regular health services if they fall sick because there isn't access to transportation. And women are always at the end of receiving the healthcare services because, you know, that's how ASHA and other networks are set up to come home to give them the health services. And today mm -hmm. they are disrupted or focused only on COVID. That is one side of the issue. If you take middle class women, they are bearing the brunt of the housework because of lack of, you know, household help and lack of other kinds of services that relieve the work on the women, whether it is, you know, house cleaning activities, uh, whether it is, you know, garbage collection activities, uh, whether it is help with cooking, and the fact that the most of the family is at home, or all of the family is at home, the, they are disproportionately overworked uh, with, uh, you know, cleaning of the entire house and, uh, you know, cooking and other services. At the same time, they have many of these issues that though bottom of the pyramid also faces, for example, uh, domestic violence. That is common to all classes of women and access to uh, services that help against this, help ameliorate this and help uh, sort of give them the aid necessary has been completely cut off, right? They also have, uh, um, you know, sexual activity and access to reproductive devices that have dipped. And, and therefore, I think the effect on women is just disproportionately high. So what do you think the government should do to make uh, the lives of women better in such situations of lockdown? I think the lockdown is uh, extremely, you know, difficult um, and particularly patriarchal and anti-poor. And I say that because of the way in which it is implemented. For instance, when the lockdown was first implemented, sanitary napkins weren't even classified as essential services. Even today, reproductive health isn't classified as an essential service, which means access to family planning. In addition, if you take uh, ASHA workers, there are nine lakh of them. They are the ones that 
are going door to door. They're all women between the age of 25 to 45. They are going door to door. Some of the most hazardous work that they are undertaking, surveying every house to see, you know, if uh, anyone has a fever, is anyone is showing symptoms to counsel them, you know, for precautionary and protective measures and social distancing. They're putting themselves out there. They are women and then they go back home and continue to bear the workload and they are paid a pittance, right? 30 rupees a day, 1,000 rupees uh, mm -hmm. a month or 2,000 rupees a month. So women of all classes are undergoing this and I think the government has not thought through what are the um, sort of uh, uh, measures that need to be taken, the schemes and programs that need continuity as essential services through this period. So in terms of what can the government specifically do, I think the services that cater to women, be they healthcare, uh, be they reproductive health, be they domestic violence and sexual violence uh, related activities and just access to food. Uh, that includes things like milk for children. If you know, There are lakhs of women, tens of lakhs of women in this country with children under two years old that need milk two, three, four, five times a day and there isn't access to that. So I think this has not been thought through for women and what the government can do is to open up the services, whether it is the, uh, you know, reproductive health and, uh, you know, sanitary health services, uh, whether it is the access to food through the Anganwadi and, uh, you know, ICDS network services. And, uh, uh, and of course, the counseling and helpline centers in terms of violence against women, those all, all of those have to be opened up. And I think a measure of uh, availability of transport services needs to be made in districts where there are no cases at all. Today in India, we have over 300 districts, nearly half the districts have not a single case of corona. Some degree of activity, economic activity must be allowed because when the men are at home and not earning, and many of them are not paid by their employers, most of them are not paid by their employers. When the women also don't earn doing their, you know, normal day-to-day -day small activities, whether it is selling of, uh, you know, certain fruits, or, you know, as vendors, or, uh, you know, it might be a roadside eatery, the access to money for the women becomes very, very low. Boot-like liquor continues to be available. And that the government is not able to clamp down on. It's very difficult. And, uh, you know, de-addiction continues to be a problem. Those centers are closed. That is something, again, the government can do. Because there are a lot of addicts who take out their frustration on women. When women have no access to uh, the economy at all, their ability to feed themselves and their children becomes very low. So I think the government needs to open up services related to health, some services related to economy, especially reproductive, sanitary health, and of course, the, the centers that protect against violence. Thank you for joining us on Pandemic Podcast, Tara. Stay safe. Can COVID-19 affect pregnant women differently? Do they need to take extra precautions? My colleague Anila Kurian spoke to Bengaluru-based Dr. Pratima Reddy on what needs to be done. Hi, this is Anila here. I have Dr. Pratima Reddy, Senior Obstetrician and Gynecologist. Doctor, can you tell us, are pregnant women at higher risk of contracting COVID-19? COVID-19 is still a very new disease and as you all know, has been around only for a few months. So the information that we have on this disease 
is evolving and growing. However, what we do know, at least till now, is that pregnant women don't seem to be at a higher risk of contracting the COVID-19 disease, which means your chances as a pregnant woman of contracting this disease is the same as anybody else of your age. The good news also seems to be that pregnant women who contract this disease don't seem to have more severe symptoms, nor do they become more seriously unwell as compared to anybody else. In the past, we have known that pregnant women who develop viral diseases, such as, say, H1N1 or swine flu, seem to do worse than others. But in the present COVID scenario, this doesn't seem to be true. What should they do if they experience symptoms or have been around somebody who has been tested positive? If you have experienced any fever, cough, cold, diarrhea, extreme tiredness and body ache, contact the nearest fever clinic or the flu clinic. Remember that not every hospital has been authorized to run a fever clinic. There are certain hospitals only that run these clinics. Please contact these clinics and they will be able to help you as to how to take this forward. If you have been with someone who has tested positive, again, ring up the helpline and the helpline will help you as to how to deal with this. And can the virus be passed on to the baby? One of the concerns that pregnant women have is, could they pass the virus on to their babies? Now, we don't have much information about this. And most of the evidence that has come out from China has said that babies perhaps do not catch this infection through their mothers. However, a small number of babies have been diagnosed with the coronavirus shortly after birth, but whether they have caught it after birth or while they were in the womb is still unclear. Is breastfeeding safe if the mother has been tested positive? So far, the virus has not been found in the breast milk. But there still is not enough information as to whether women who are sick can pass on the virus to the baby through breast milk. So the best way forward is to discuss breastfeeding with your own doctor so that they can make a decision along with you. What about giving birth at hospital? Is that a safe option at the moment? Should women consider home births instead? Because of the current COVID-19 scenario, A lot of women are asking whether it would be safer delivering at home given that there may be other people in the hospital who may be infected with the virus. Remember, the hospital is still the safest place to deliver because during delivery, there may be sudden changes in the mother or the baby that may require immediate delivery. And this can be done only when in a hospital. So the answer to that is, yes, it is safe to deliver in a hospital. Certainly go ahead. Is it safe to continue going for routine checkups until the delivery? Or are there any other alternatives that they can look into at this time? In order to deal with the current pandemic, we have started tele-consultations, both audio and video consultations with our patients. So the way it works these days is women who have to come in for essential monitoring scans and blood tests are asked to visit the hospital. 
We restrict the number of women we see per day and also space out their appointments so that there is no point in time where there is a crowd of women together. We also restrict the attenders that come in with them by and large so that we restrict the spread of the disease and the virus. The other patients we encourage to log on to their systems in order to have a tele-audio video consultation with us. Is there any increased risk of miscarriage if a mother has been tested positive? Again, as I've said in the past, this is a new disease. So the answer to is there an increased risk of miscarriage is we do not really know. However, of the evidence that we have in the limited number of pregnant women, there were small numbers that seemed to have an increased risk of preterm deliveries. And lastly, are there any extra precautions that an expecting mother should take at this time? Pregnant women need to take the same precautions as anybody else in this time of the corona pandemic. And these would include washing hands frequently with soap and water for at least 20 seconds. There are good videos put out by the WHO and the CDC and I would advise you to watch that so that you know how to do this properly. Cleaning hands with a sanitizer, if you can't wash them, is advised. However, soap and water still remains the best. Social distancing is extremely, extremely important. Make sure that you're staying away from other people by a distance of at least six feet if you need to go out. We would also advise you to stay at home as much as possible. And if you had to go out, to wear a clean cloth mask. Avoid touching your eyes, nose and mouth and also avoid people who are sick. Thank you for your time, doctor. That's it in today's episode of Pandemic Podcasts. If you enjoyed this episode, do rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify and many other of your favorite podcast platforms. Do share this podcast with your friends, family and on social media. For latest updates on COVID-19 and other news, log on to www.techinherald.com. Follow our social media handles on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram and YouTube. Check out our e-paper www.techinheraldepaper.com. To be updated on the go, follow our Telegram channel t.me/techinheraldnews for instant updates and don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. Take care, stay safe, stay indoors.